Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight. We thank you that you were willing to do the Father's will. We thank you and praise you that your love led you all the way to the cross. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to suffer and to die, willing to endure the punishment of our sin, that we might be children of God. Lord, we are gathered here on this Good Friday, so good for us, so awful for you. But we thank you and praise you that you are for us the lamb that was slain. Thank you that as we enter into this time in your word for a few minutes and then we, we take communion, Lord, I pray that you will take us to the cross. Let it sink upon us once again, Lord, what you endured that we might be saved. Lord, we pray tonight that your Holy Spirit will take the word of God, the truth of the cross, bring it home to our hearts, and Lord, we pray that there will be those who are brought to Christ tonight, and they will know that incredible purpose for which you suffered and died, Lord Jesus, to bring glory to the Father in saving sinners like us. We pray, Lord, that your word will be powerful for that tonight. So prepare our hearts, Lord, receive your word, prepare our hearts as we come to take of this communion on this wonderful time as we gather, giving praise to the Lamb of God. We ask this in your name and all the people of God said, amen. amen. Well, we're so glad that you took time to come and start into this week of, weekend I should say, of celebration of resurrection, but came tonight to be reminded and to worship the Lord that that resurrection began with incredible, incredible sacrifice for us. And so that's why we're gathered tonight and every time that we come for a time of communion, it is to remind us that Jesus Christ, our Passover has been sacrificed for us. And thank God what he did on the cross was enough as we've sung tonight, right? And when he said, it is finished, it was finished. The work was done. Full redemption provided. If you've been with us in our services on these last few Sunday mornings, we have been in a series called The Shadow of the Cross. We've been looking to the suffering of Messiah in the Torah, or as we would call it, the, the Old Testament. The Hebrew scriptures tell us so much in such beautiful, beautiful words about the cross of the Messiah before the Messiah. All through the Bible, 
Jesus' picture is on all the pages. And we've looked at some beautiful, beautiful images in the Old Testament. A couple of weeks ago, we saw in the Passover that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Last Sunday, we took time to look at incredible story in Genesis chapter 22 of how Abraham and Isaac went to the top of that hill in Judea, and there was really a preview of Calvary, an incredible message of how God provided for himself a lamb, and the lamb, the ram crowned with thorns on top of that hill was offered up in the place of Isaac, Abraham's son, but it was a preview of how the Father and the Son, the Lord Jesus, would go together and God would not spare his own Son but deliver him up for us all. And that's what we celebrate in in our sense this evening and why we worship the Lord because he loved us that much. What I'd like us to do tonight is to Go to a song. It's a song that's written by King David. A psalm of David. It's a song from 3,000 years ago. Beautiful songs we've heard tonight, we've sung tonight, but this is a song not so beautiful, but incredibly beautiful for our souls. Written 3,000 years ago, it's Psalm 22, the Psalm of David. Now, David, of course, you know, was a shepherd. David was a king. David was a musician. David was a poet. But also, never forget, King David was a prophet. He was a prophet of God. And he wrote many songs of prophecy. Many of David's songs are songs of Messiah. They're songs of prophecy. And David is such a prophet that he is quoted more by Jesus and Jesus' apostles than any of the other Old Testament prophets. David, we don't think of him as a prophet, but he was a prophet. And he wrote some amazing messianic psalms, but Perhaps the most startling song that David ever wrote is the song that I want us to look at tonight. It's a startling song about the suffering of Messiah. David is writing out of his own experience, but he's also writing a song that's really a prophecy about his descendant, the Messiah who is to come. And when he writes this song, it is literally a song of the cross. It's a song about the cross written over a thousand years before the cross. So I want you to follow along. It's in Psalm 22. If you'd like to use the Bible that's provided for you, it's page 457. But listen to this song, the song of the cross written by David. My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. That is amazing, isn't it? Amazing that it was written a thousand years before Christ. And it is awful as well. It's a hard psalm to read. It's hard to hear. It's, it's written in the first person. It's written through personal experience of suffering. It, it's awe-inspiring as well because it tells of an expression of love and trust in God even in the midst of awful, terrible suffering. It, it is the psalm of the cross. You cannot read this psalm, you cannot hear it read unless you are taken to the very feet of the cross and you are hearing the voice of the Lord Jesus. Now there's certainly mystery here there's mystery in the opening cry. If you look back at verse one, the opening cry is the cry of Jesus. Jesus, 
cried this on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus uttered that cry. It was the cry of a suffering Savior. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When I read this psalm, it's a psalm of suffering, the song of the, the cross. I, I hear in the voice of David and in the voice of his greater son, the Messiah, Jesus, you hear three kinds of suffering. I don't know if you noted that. There's three kinds of suffering that are expressed here in this psalm. There's physical suffering. He says, I'm poured out like water. I'm poured out like water. We think of Jesus and his complete exhaustion on the cross, poured out like water. David says, my bones are out of joint. The physical suffering of Jesus as literally his shoulder bones, his elbows pulled out of socket as he hangs from the nails on the tree. David said in this psalm, my heart is like wax. Jesus, his heart was racing. He was literally in respiratory failure as he went through the incredible physical suffering on the cross. The song says, my tongue sticks to my jaws. Tells us of the unbelievable thirst and the effects of dehydration that were on Jesus. And you can almost hear Jesus' pitiful cry. Do you remember what he said on the cross? I thirst. I thirst. And then an amazing statement. David says you have pierced my hands and feet. Jesus experienced the physical suffering of the searing pain of having his wrists and his ankle bones hammered to the wood, suspended. All of the weight of his body on those spikes and the excruciating pain of the Muscles contracting, spasms over and over again. All this Jesus experienced. They pierced my hands and feet. Incredible physical suffering. But even as great as the physical suffering was, there was even a greater suffering that you can hear in this song of David, but it's the song of the cross. You hear the emotional suffering. Did you hear that? It's the emotional suffering of, of ridicule. David said, they mock him. They say, he trusts in God. Let him deliver him if he delights in him. 
Jesus was encircled by his enemies as he was nailed to the cross and his enemies mocked him. Said, if you're the son of God, come down. Let God deliver him since God delights in him. He was naked on the cross. His clothes stripped off from him. And amazing, David says this a thousand years before the cross. He says, they divide my garments and they cast lots for my clothing. And at the foot of Jesus' cross, the Roman soldiers divided his garments. But the body garment that he wore made of one piece was believed to be so nice that they, they cast lots for that. It's, it's a psalm of the cross, isn't it? Ridicule and then the emotional suffering of, of rejection. No one was ever as rejected as the Lord Jesus. Here he is, the man of Sorrows. He's encircled by hatred. He's encircled by slanderous, lying assaults. Even the sign above his head is a sign of hatred. It was written by the Roman procurator Pontius Pilate in hatred for the Jewish people. He had nailed above the head of Jesus words of hatred that said, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. He did that in hatred of the Jewish people. And so Jesus is encircled by his enemies, encircled by hatred, and yet he's the king of love, isn't he? He's the king of love. His love was rejected. But even as his love was rejected, Jesus' love was undying, wasn't it? What did he say even as he was rejected? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Horrible suffering, physical, emotional, but friends, the real torture for Jesus, the real torture for Jesus was not physical, it was not emotional, it was the spiritual suffering. That was the great suffering for Jesus. It was the spiritual loss. Who can understand what it meant for Jesus to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is spiritual agony. Why, why did Jesus cry that? Why, why did he cry those words? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried those words for two reasons. The first reason, what he loved more than anything, he had lost. What did Jesus love in life more than anything? The fellowship with his father, the oneness with his father, the unbroken love of his father. But in that moment, as he 
was hanging on the cross, he was forsaken by his father, forsaken by God. And why was that? Well, it's this, the second reason Jesus cried out those words. It's because not only had he lost what he loved most, the fellowship of the Father, he also had become what he hated more than anything. He, the Holy Son of God, had become sin. That is the torture of the cross. What was the cup that he was looking into? What was it, the, the cup that he was begging the Father in Gethsemane, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me? It was not the physical suffering. It was not the emotional suffering. What was bringing such terror to his heart was the fact that he knew on the cross he would become our sin bearer. He, the Holy One, would become the substitute for sinners. He would take our sins on himself. Friends, that's what Jesus became on the cross, your sin bearer, my sin bearer. And as a sin bearer, he was forsaken by God. He became our substitute. He took our place. Friends, Jesus was abandoned by God so that we might be received by God. Jesus was naked that we might be clothed. Jesus was thirsty that our thirst might be quenched. Jesus was heartbroken that our hearts might be mended with peace. Jesus was in agony that we might know joy. And Jesus died that we might live. Amazing statement is made here. When you think of Jesus making this statement, verse six, it's written, I am a worm and not a man. I am a worm and not a man. It's interesting, the word worm there is a word which describes a worm that was Crushed in ancient times, it was crushed so that a dye could be made from the fluid. And the dye made the scarlet dye for wealthy robes, the robes of royalty, even. A worm crushed to produce the dye that would make the clothing of royalty. And Jesus, the king, the royal one, was crushed 
and suffering on the cross. He was crushed so that we might be clothed in the robes of royalty, that we might become the children of God. Praise God, what a savior. There was a disciple that was standing at the feet of Jesus' cross. Standing right next to his mother. His disciple, John. And of course, John never, for the rest of his life, ever forgot the scene of the crucifixion. But when John was an old man and he was writing the gospel account of the life and ministry of Jesus, here's what John wrote as he thought back about his Lord on the cross. He wrote these words. He came unto his own and his own did not receive him. Literally, he came into his own things, his own creation, and his own people did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the privilege of being called the children of God. You see, it is in the rejection of Jesus and his being offered up on the cross that he became the sacrifice, our substitute, and we who receive him by faith are given the privilege of becoming the children of God. That is given to those who believe on his name. As many as received him, to them he gives the privilege to be called the sons of God to those who believe on him. Now friends, it is one thing to believe about Jesus. But the demons of hell believe about Jesus and they tremble at his name. But it is altogether something else to believe on Jesus. To trust in Jesus. To take hold of Jesus. And with all your heart rely on him as your only hope of salvation. Your very life and all who do that are forgiven. And received. And are granted not only eternal life but eternal partaking in the family of God, eternal membership as sons and daughters of God. The question, have you received Christ? Will you receive him? Will you receive him now? Today, will you receive Christ now, this is the day of salvation. 
This is the time. Don't boast of tomorrow. Receive him now. And if you have received him, then I want to invite you to take of the bread and to take of this juice as a memorial of what the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished, that he is the bread of life and he that believes in him shall never hunger. His blood is the sacrifice for sins and those who believe in him, he gives eternal life. Let's enter in with all of our hearts, humbled, awestruck, but eternally grateful for the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord.